Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Yeah. Oh. <coughs> oh. And honestly, I could extend my vowels more, but yeah. I chose not Let's to. Stretch vowels. those <laughs> Stretch those vowels. Also, condense <laughs> my vowels. It's activating my phlegm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, I remembered. I'm Kenyon. Oh, I'm Lucy. I'm Amanda. We have a very special fan pick this week brought to you by Ravina Jamu. I am so excited about this episode. <laughs> I'm very excited, too. Amanda, I'm very excited for how excited Amanda is. <laughs> My case is so weird. This is the second in like a couple of weeks where we've covered a topic that was like at one point my career path. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Lucy had a lot of ideas, lots of thoughts about what she would become. I want to be a- not one of them. My no. case is Does anyone want to be a podcaster when they're little? No. <laughs> when people ask me for consultations, usually my first advice is like, don't, don't. do it. <laughs> Mine uh, is, what yeah. is your goal for starting a podcast? Right. Because if it's money, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bye. Uh, I did pick a case today that like could be Lucy's deeply macabre future. So it's a <gasps> cautionary tale, honey. Okay, well, well, we haven't even said the the theme yet, the topic. Oh, yeah. So, Ravina, her birthday is in February, (gasps) and we are recording this in February. Happy birthday month. Oh, it's my sister's birthday today. It is. I already texted her. I texted her hours ago. I'm better. Mm, Okay, Uh, well, whatever. Happy birthday, Madeline. (laughs) She'll survive. It's technically doesn't exist this year because she's a leap year baby. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ravina selected (laughs) the topic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, Ravina. <laughs> Veterinary villains. There we go. And I Kenyon always fucking makes me laugh right when I've taken a sip of water. My eyes are watering because I was holding it in so hard. Maybe you're, maybe you're just gigglier when you have liquid in your mouth. <laughs> maybe. No, I'm funny. Um, so <laughs> I I don't know why Ravina selected veterinary villains. I don't know if she is a vet or just is a fan of vets everywhere. Let's find or out. Or has a vendetta against vets. I don't know. Well, all of those things I'm sure will be covered in this case and yeah. this episode. Uh, she works in a veterinary clinic. While there she works go. towards getting her pilot's license. Oh, my God. Is How it Elizabeth? Cool. Right? Yeah, is it my mom? <laughs> um, all right. Well, Ravina, you're awesome. And let's get to our wine crime pairing, Amanda. Ravina is even more awesome than we know because so funny story. That Mutt Lynch Zinfandel that I used for photography crimes. Yeah. Was supposed to be the pairing for this episode. I thought it sounded familiar and I didn't say anything. To be fair, though, (laughs) the note in the doc didn't have the wine brand and listed a Chardonnay. 
as the varietal. So I had no idea what that wine was and like what I was looking out for. And Ravina confirmed that she couldn't include a note in the order. So it came just like nude with no information. So I was just like, okay. And the the brand of the wine wasn't in the dock. Like I had no idea well, what that wine was. Well, it was a great was. pairing. It really was. And so she she found it super funny that this like snafu happened. Didn't mind at all. So she was just glad that I really liked the Zinfandel and that she had picked out a wine that I enjoyed. She was very gracious for all of my apologies. <laughs> and she's a literal angel on earth. And I actually think this also works out well because I was able to drink that when I wasn't sick mm-hmm. and like really enjoy it. And as we record this, I'm still sick. So I'm not mixing alcohol with cough medicine, because I'm taking a lot of cough medicine. (laughs) (laughs) So what I actually have right now are carrot sticks and uh, lemon water for what I'm consuming today. But for the listeners at home who are able to partake, I found this really cute winery that you can order wine from that I felt like was very on brand for veterinary villains, but also just like honoring a vet, whatever. It's called Rescue Dog Wines. You can get their wine at rescuedogwines.com. They're based out of California. They have a ton of different varietals. Their labels are so stinking cute. And the couple that owns this winery is very passionate about rescuing dogs themselves that can, like, live a beautiful life on a fucking vineyard. Oh, my God. Mm. And then they also make consistent contributions to rescue organizations not just in california though they do like to you know stay local but they have made uh contributions to organizations all over the country so i just wanted to shout out rescuedogwines.com check them out their wines look really really fucking good so partake when you're not sick absolutely 100 percent. are you two drinking anything fun today no i'm drinking water we're doing an afternoon recording and Mm -hmm. uh you know I'm a mom. Hashtag I'm a mom now. Hashtag such a mom. I'm drinking water too. Oh my God. We're so boring. I love us. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll still be a shit show at heart. Yeah. We don't need to be drunk to be a complete and utter fucking mess. Mm -hmm. No. So cheers, everyone. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) It's built in. All right. Lucy. It is inherent. (laughs) What is our background and maybe psych? For veterinary villains. Uh, I don't think I have psych, but I wrote these notes like two weeks ago because this is our third attempt at recording this episode. It is. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have. We should probably say uh, Evelyn definitely haunting us still. Oh, because, 100%. Because. I mean to piss her off. We Yeah. We're sorry. We we love you. Um, We tried to record this. Lucy's internet cut out. We tried to record this. Amanda got super duper sick. And then yesterday tried to record this and both of my neighbor's houses caught on fire. Like exploded. (laughs) And she had to evacuate. I had to evacuate my home and have a firefighter. I mean, my house is fine and everyone in it is fine. But had to have a firefighter run into my house and grab my baby's car seat and Mm -hmm. a bottle from the fridge. (laughs) What, before they could like give us the all clear? Real Shannon vibes recently. Yeah. So yeah. can we just fucking lock it up? What sacrifice? Madeline, Madeline. Happy birthday. It's your last birthday. We need to sacrifice Madeline because yeah. otherwise we cannot before achieve homeostasis. first birthday. Ooh, before the clock strikes midnight on her 31st birthday, we must sacrifice her to the Evelyn Shannon goals. I'm in. 
last night in bed, we like turned the light off and we were going to sleep. And then I heard like a clink, clink, clink against the light. And I was like, shit, oh my God, what the fuck is that? And Zach goes, oh, it's just like a moth. And I go, what? <laughs> and it wasn't a moth. It was a stink The Miller bug. moths. Oh. I feel better. Well, yeah. It wasn't a moth. It was just a ghost. It was just Evelyn. It's it was fine. Evelyn. Okay. The light. Here we go. Here we go. Anyway. Here we go. From my lover Encyclopedia Britannica. Veterinary medicine, also called veterinary science, is the medical specialty concerned with the prevention, control, diagnosis, and treatments of diseases affecting the health of domestic and wild animals and with the prevention of transmission of animal diseases to people. Oh. So it's very, very oh, wide-ranging. Like and stuff, I'm guessing. Not like COVID. Well, yeah, mm. COVID. Oh. They're, uh, they they study how animal diseases are transferred to humans. Okay. So like uh, any any dis- Ebola, you know, mad cow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Veterinarians ensure a safe food supply for people by monitoring and maintaining the health of food producing animals. Vets mm-hmm. can work in um, even in aerospace or the military. So when they have animals go to space, there's a oh. veterinarian in charge, like Leica, who didn't come back. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Most of the old ones didn't come back and yeah, we've discussed but... that and we're over it. <laughs> Some of us more than others. <laughs> so they can work for the military from inspecting food to caring for military dogs to identifying possible bioterrorism attacks. Because mm. you could like put a disease on a bunch of rats and have them infect and a whole out. city or something. Okay. New fear unlocked. Yeah. It, Jesus. Every week, honey. I know, but mm-hmm. thinking about arming the rats with a new disease? That's so yeah. 1357. I mean, oh or mosquitoes. Uh, you just engineer some mosquitoes to be like ultra malarial. Nope. Thousand percent. Birds. Birds nope. are yeah. filthy. Oh, birds are filthy. Okay. Tiny backpacks. Yeah. Tiny backpacks. Oh, I was just listening to an episode of The Dollop, and they were talking about like, Hundreds of years ago, pigeons being used to smuggle drugs. Drugs, yes, yeah, like in the prison. It's a time-honored tradition. I love it. Tiny backpacks are so Mm -hmm. cute. They are so cute. Veterinary medicine has made many important contributions to animal and human health. Included are dramatic reductions in animal sources of human exposure to tuberculosis. Ever Mm. heard of it? Mm-hmm. I and know her. Bruce Brucellosis. Don't know Bruce her. Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. What? How are animals in? <laughs> <gasps> what? <laughs> of Lucy's response. What? Well, what? How are animals involved in TB? I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna Google it. Yeah, you, you Google it. <laughs> I have no idea. Safe and effective vaccines have been developed for prevention of many companion, like pet animal diseases. For example, canine and feline distemper. So it's like when they're just a little baby and they have that horrible cold Mm. and their eyes are all watery and they can't breathe. That's called distemper or Mm. panleukopenia. Panleukopenia. Bovine tuberculosis is transmitted between cattle, between badgers, and... And I don't know how this has happened, but apparently it has between those two species. Oh, cattle and badgers. Isn't anthrax a bovine disease also? Anthrax is uh, a fungus, no? 
it spores. It can be and, transmitted and it, with and it, it can kill cows. cattle for sure. Mm-hmm. I know nothing, John and Snow. Thrax and cows. Okay. <laughs> okay. Pan leukopenia. The vaccine developed for control of Merrick's disease in chickens was the first anti-cancer vaccine. Veterinarians developed surgical techniques such as hip joint replacement and organ transplants that were later applied successfully to people. Mm. Pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. A major challenge to veterinary medicine is adequately attending to the diversity of animal species because there's a lot of fucking animals. Okay, I was wrong. Anthrax is a bacteria, but you yes. were right that you can it can infect cattle and sheep and goats and all that shit, and then people can get sick from the animals. Mm-hmm. Next. Nailed it. Sorry. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Veterinarians address the health needs of domestic animals, including cats, dogs, chickens, horses, cows, sheep, pigs, and goats. They also attend to wildlife, zoo animals, pet birds, and ornamental fish. The sizes of animals that are treated vary from newborn hamsters. Oh, oh my oh god! Oh my god! What's cuter than a newborn hamster? I Actually, they're kind of. I saw yeah. a TikTok. <laughs> they look like just like a bunch little of lamb. They look like little erasers. <laughs> yes, they do. But you know how like the mother hamster can sometimes eat her babies. Yeah, there mm-hmm. was a video of a mother hamster just snacking on one of her kids. <laughs> The comments were like, yes, pro-choice queen. (laughs) (laughs) This woman's living for herself. (laughs) She's putting herself first. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. Don't let the conservatives (laughs) get a hold of that joke TikTok. Yeah. Tucker Carlson's going to have a field day. Yeah. (laughs) Democrats are eating their babies like hamsters. (laughs) Well, okay. So the sizes vary from newborn hamsters, little erasers to adult elephants, as do their economic values, which range from the undefinable value of a pet animal companionship to the high monetary value of a winning racehorse. <laughs> I always pass by this vet clinic, this like large animal vet clinic when I'm going out to see the Finkenauers in Dassel. And I know there are a lot of farms out there, so it makes sense for there to be a large animal vet clinic. But like on the sign, it has kind of what you're saying, like all these cute, you know, silhouettes of animals going from like a rabbit all the way up to an elephant. And I'm like, where the fuck are the elephants in Dassel that you're treating? Like, why is this on your side? Isn't there a zoo near Dassel? I don't know. Probably. There was like a roadside zoo up there that Court Blortney kept talking about. I don't think that one's near Dassel, but I have been to another roadside zoo that didn't have elephants, but it did have giraffes. and I got to feed them. That is sad. And it was deeply sad. Zoos are really sad. <laughs> Unless they're, they like, be. amazing. Unless they're, like, you know, like the San Diego Zoo or something. Uh-huh. Well, uh-huh. We've they can be very sad. talked about this on the show before, and we got several hateful emails about how zoos are educational, conservation, blah, blah, blah. So let's yeah. just move on. Hot tap. <laughs> Don't email us. <laughs> so there have been veterinarians since before recorded history. The practice had been established, uh, has been established as a specialty since as early as 2000 BCE, in Babylonia and Egypt. The ancient Greeks had a class of physicians who were called horse doctors. Hot. To the point. Make it clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. And the Latin term for the specialty is veterinarius, which 
translates to pertaining to beast of burden. Wow. Okay, so like the li- like livestock because pets yeah. weren't so much a thing. Uh-huh. No, because cats had a purpose, dogs had a purpose, horses, cows, all that right. had a purpose, a purpose right. and a, they're not a pets, burden. They're employees. They had a job. They had a burden. Right. Mm-hmm. So that veterinarius came to denote the field in modern times. The difference between a veterinarian and a zoologist, because this was one of my personal questions, is that veterinarians primarily provide medical care to animals that are kept as pets or livestock on a farm, primarily, whereas zoologists are more researchers who primarily focus on understanding the relationship between wild animals or other animals or their habitats. That's clear and makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there's a couple difference between veterinary veterinarian technicians and veterinarians. So mm-hmm. the technicians usually work as assistants to the veterinarians. So they do things like taking x-rays and blood samples, test blood or urine, administer medications, and keep patient records in order. So, and I swear that this question is for a reason. Okay. What kind of education does a veterinary technician require like what how many there's a two-year at least in minnesota there's a two-year program for vet techs i have some friends that have done it Mm -hmm. so that they can learn how to basically do those exact tasks like draw blood from an animal and do assessment and stuff like that but they're not doing any complex procedures and a veterinarian requires a medical lengthier education Yeah. That is what I thought and assumed and mm-hmm. is true and factual. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if different programs in different states or different schools might have different parameters, but let's, in let's I know there are this. vet tech schools for two years in Minnesota. We'll go with that number. It's reasonable. Here's my anecdote. Oh, gall. I, <laughs> I'm not going to name names. Oh, no. But I personally know someone who was hired to be a receptionist uh-huh. at a veterinary clinic. Which does not require a specific veterinary degree. No. That might be closer to my dream job. This mm. person Less pressure. has a high school degree Same. and nothing else. Same. Okay. You have some college. I do. I do. An honorary degree from Hamilton. And an honorary and- <laughs> degree from a liberal arts college. <laughs> from the NASCAC, just in Love general. It. And this person uh, worked for a vet who was a little odd, a little bit of okay. an eyeball. And the vet, who was, who was a little different, and the vet would often bring in this teenage receptionist to assist her with surgeries. Mm-mm. There was definitely some, like, suturing that happened that's a that's a no from me dag no 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 Mm -mm. (laughs) that would not be approved by the american veterinary medical association no it would not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that situation is no longer happening but Mm -hmm. i got real nervous when i heard about it i'm sure the person you know was fucking psyched yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) the teenager was amped to be given so much responsibility before it really sunk in what the fuck was happening why do you know Uh a teenager i'll Uh, tell you offline okay oh my god it's that bad it's that bad (laughs) so a little more information about vets versus vet techs um so the techs sometimes perform emergency first aid and assist in the veterinarian during procedures. But again, a veterinary technician has that sort of degree. Yeah. Sort of. I 
paperwork. Agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do not condone the situation that I mentioned earlier. Mm-mm. No. Whereas veterinarians may perform all of these duties and also are responsible for the for diagnosing the cause of illness, recommending treatment, performing surgery, mm, suturing, mm-hmm. prescribing <laughs> treatments and medications, and putting the animals to sleep. Mm. Here are some vet facts for you. Most vets treat only small animals every day with just one quarter dealing with uh, mixed or wild animals. Mm-hmm. So they're mostly your regular, your neighborhood vet clinic. Dogs, mm-hmm. cats, rabbits. Yeah, you can't expect them to be a encyclopedia if you like bring in like an injured armadillo or something. A deer you they hit might, with your They car. might not know what to do any more than you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that you would be surprised because the... Just the huge variety of animals. That's why veterinarians have to have so much training. Mm. Oh, yeah. They have to be somewhat versed in, like, uh, most animals. Sure. But it's kind of like you wouldn't go to a neurologist if you have a ingrown toenail or uh, sure. you know like it's their specialty. There are different specialties, of course. I'd also imagine regionally like to us from Minnesota thinking about bringing in an injured armadillo you hit by your car like that Sounds would be ridiculous. really ridiculous but if you think about that in like the southwest yeah of course they probably do. They've probably seen it. Yeah. yeah. So stuff like that. Okay. Veterinary care professionals risk their lives daily to promote animal health, resulting in a 50% injury rate. Mostly wow. from cats. 49% of which are from cats. We'll get to it. Lots of dogs. Cats are easy to subdue. Dogs can be really strong. That's true. If you know how to handle and subdue a cat, they're, they can only do so much damage. Right. They're like eight pounds instead of 80. Mm-hmm. Or however much Ray weighs. <laughs> 17. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh Ray weighs a lot more than my God. baby. Yeah. He figured out how to open the top of his automatic feeder. Which isn't Sir. easy. You have to press two buttons on either side. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> how the fuck? Set up a camera. You do need a wildlife camera just <laughs> next to Ray's feeder. <gasps> Will you please do a it? A ring. Yes. <laughs> how do can it. we monetize this? The security. <laughs> I have, I'll put one of my RLOs in my kitchen. Done. <laughs> and I can spy on how much Corey's eating in the middle of the night, too. <laughs> Ooh, this is That's good. That's string Corey, cheese is going. Corey learned how to open the automatic feeder. <laughs> oh, my God. No. I need, like, be... a fingerprint touchpad on... <laughs> The automatic feeder, the pantry cabinet, the refrigerator, and the freezer. You need to set up like a TikTok live feed that's just this footage. <laughs> I you'd make cryptic Corey black and white kind of blurry. His the eyes night camera. glowing in the night. <laughs> yeah, gross. Because he's like sneaking a pickle out of the fridge. <laughs> His eyes glowing like a raccoon. <laughs> just darting around. Look <laughs> Your snacks. Yeah, he holds really, he thinks he hears something, holds really still. Goes back it to pulling his string cheese. It would basically be, do you follow that woman, <laughs> the sleepwalking woman on TikTok? Yes. Those videos are so oh, amazing. so good. Yeah, yeah, I'm picturing that, but with Ray and Corey, very yeah. much awake and intentionally yeah. getting their Corey snacks. Corey turning to Ray and going, shh, don't, don't wake mom. Don't tell Don't wake ma'am. your mama. Don't tell ma'am. God. This is our special time. <laughs> oh, ew. 
Okay, anyway. 62% of Americans are unfortunately animal owners. <laughs> dogs are America's top choice of companion animals with almost 77 million dog pets in the U.S. and only 58 million cat pets. Mm. However, dog vet appointments cost more than cats at an average of $242 per visit versus $178. Sure freaking do. Costs are just going up because uh-huh. fucking private equity firms are buying up all the local vet clinics and prices are insane. Kelly had the good grace to yeah. die before inflation really fucked us here oh, in the city. The, so. Sheesh. The vet costs and Josie, like knock on wood, has not had any serious health issues. Just like mm-hmm. standard ass vet care. Check up. Yeah. Is hundreds, like hundreds of dollars, like two forty two. Mm-hmm. I would be so lucky to pay that for just. For her. Do you take her for like checkups? Yeah. How mm. often? Once a year. Mm-hmm. And we're she got all her- about vets getting paid. It's just yeah. rough. Yeah, yeah, no, rough, <laughs> rough. Uh, to <laughs> get her teeth cleaned, and they didn't even like they like found an infected tooth, and they didn't even like take it out or fix it. They literally just brushed her teeth, basically, with her under anesthesia. When they take it out? Yeah. Oh, sure. Totally. I'll send it to you. Oh, my God. Good reminder. (laughs) Friends don't let friends not throw away teeth. (laughs) Friends don't let friends throw away teeth. (laughs) New Uh, merch! It was $800 to have her teeth cleaned. Oh, my God. And then she stay overnight? broken tooth. No. Was she put under? Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still. That's wild. Yeah. Well, next bullet point. Americans pay a lot for their furry friends, reaching a total of $31.4 billion for pet for vet visits, pet insurance, and animal products, so like food and shit, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Wow. $31.4 yeah. billion. Callie's dog food, I did buy like the big bags, but it's like 70 bucks a bag. Oh, yeah, the dog food's expensive, and now we have, like, even more expensive dog food, Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to say the name of it because I want them to become a sponsor because they are really, they make a really good product, (laughs) but it's not cheap. Is it No, it's Mm. Oh, my God, you just just said it. John, bleep that. (laughs) (laughs) Ray has the... A, a, a daily barf issue so I got him like better food for like Ugh. digestion and it's really expensive yeah, yeah. but he throws up to, less we yeah. need to change pepperoni's dry food I think because she's getting a little pukey she's a, she's just about turning eight so it's like time to start rethinking mm-hmm. the she's diet. getting up there yeah mm-hmm. I mean not up there dramatically but up there in middle age that, yeah her dietary needs might be shifting mm-hmm. so Vets in Houston, Texas, make the most with an average of six-figure salaries. Hmm. Only 6% of all veterinarians specialize in horses. Probably a lot of them here. Mm. Do you guys follow that animal chiropractor on TikTok? No. A little bit. Oh, he's so cool. Oh, no, I'm thinking of someone else. I'm thinking of the emu gal. Mm, I love her. Oh, Knucklebump Farms. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're so cute. This animal chiropractor, he can do like adjustments on like snakes and cats and horses. That's wild. And goats and dogs. Snakes are only bats. I know. It's like, <laughs> the it's fuck? bizarre. It's so cool. It's just like one of those workout ropes. Yeah. <laughs> just like, CrossFit. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Whoa, both, Doc, that felt both, great. Both these snakes <sighs> are done. I'm going to need you to send me some <laughs> snake adjustment videos okay. immediately. I will. 
during Kenyon's segment. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. Um, Over 3,200 vets received employment from the U.S. government in just 2018. Typically, government roles, including caring for agricultural animals. So like we talked about, they will prevent, for example, like sick chickens from being shipped mm-hmm. into the chicken market or whatever in mm-hmm. theory in theory yeah you'd hope we're looking at you tyson chicken nugget crimes pilgrim's pride mm-hmm. pink slime god it's so delicious also looking after exotic animals and zoo animals so any kind of animal that requires supervision from the state so those vets are em- employed by the government also almost 80 percent of practicing veterinarians are females interesting hmm. yeah let's see so this last part, it was just strictly because I'm I was curious and it's I found it bizarre. Okay. So when I was researching this, I got a little bit preoccupied thinking about how the fuck a vet performs surgery on a fish. Sure. So here is some information on how that works. Okay. I did not know that that was a thing. I'm sorry to tell the fish owners, but I would have just thought if it if it if it needs surgery, if, then. Well, this this Sorry. goes for Give sharks, flush. whales, big big fish, okay. zoo yep. fish. Oh, okay, okay. Whales, yeah, okay. But that also, I, I was definitely picturing a surgeon operating on one of like the sad betta fish from yeah. PetSmart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you go to my folder, which will be on the drive, those are the pictures because people who care a lot about their fucking goldfish will go have them, which is great. On if you have the money to do that. That's I mean, and if you don't, maybe don't get pets. Or like those yeah. koi fish that live forever and they're like big mm-hmm. and you can like pet them. Yeah, koi oh. fish are fucking amazing. They're little water dogs. They're so cool. Yeah, so a lot of people have, you know, kind of important fish, I guess. Yeah. So just like people, cats and dogs are sedated for surgery. So are fish. Wow. So rather than using an aerosol anesthetic, so any kind of air, mm-hmm. fish are sedated using a water-based anesthetic. So they put the anesthesia into the water with the fish in like a this smaller tank. This is fascinating. Tank. It's like a sack on there. I'm yeah. looking at this surgery picture you put up. And the fish is a koi. It's like a big koi goldfish. Mm-hmm. And it clearly has a growth. And it's in like a water sack with like a slit in the top so she can access the growth. You know what it looks Clearly like? Clearly the fish is under anesthesia in the water. This is so fucking it cool. It looks like when you like buy those like feet masks from right. Sephora. Right, baby feet. Baby feet. And you stick them, <laughs> the plastic and your foot's in the middle. It really mm-hmm. does. Yep. Yeah. Wow, this is fascinating. Isn't this cool? So recovery using clean water so once they're done with the surgery they'll put them in a small tank with just clean water and that usually they're usually up and returned to normal within 10 to 30 minutes that's amazing for simple external procedures so an example of this would be like removing a growth but also you know those goldfish that have like the big lumpy crowns on their heads sometimes yeah yeah so those grow over time and they can grow over their eyes yeah so a lot of people have them like removed or trimmed back kind of i don't get the deal with the lumpy things Mm -hmm. but that's like a really common surgery wow so for a simple external procedure such as that the fish will lie on one side with the surgical site up in the air (laughs) yep Usually we uh, they have an assistant or a net hold the fish partially submerged in the the medicine water. Mm-hmm. For open abdomen procedures, they have a specialty crafted acrylic V-shaped like dish 
that mm-hmm. fits over a 10-gallon aquarium. An aquarium pump moves water from the reservoir below through a tube in the fish's mouth, which then flows over their gills and then back down. So there wow. are some procedures where they have to be totally out of the water. Intubated, basically. But they're intubated so the medicine water goes through their gills. This is amazing. I, I have know. no Never clue. Never would have even thought to look it up. So it's like a closed circulation system, and then there is always a, a tech or somebody else there to like sponge water to keep their actual scales moist this whole time also, since they're not submerged. How good does it sound to be in the, the anesthetic oh, water sack? The deprivation mm. sack. Yes. Can you imagine? As a bathtub person, yeah, that sounds real nice. Going yep. to like one of those float rooms, but mm-hmm. it's all anesthetic water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you're like kind of out of it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this person will also monitor the fish's um, heart rate and gill <laughs> movement to make sure that it's like breathing alive. <laughs> That's amazing. It's important to maintain the aeration of the anesthetic solution or oxi- oxygenization because mm-hmm. or oxygenation because you don't want too much medicine in there and you right. also want to make sure that the water is also delivering the oxygen. Right. Yeah. That you don't want to suffocate the fish. Got to mm-hmm. keep it flowing. So it's a delicate mm-hmm. balance. That's uh, wild. I, uh, my mind is fucking blown. Mm-hmm. So the fish, <laughs> the fish should fast for twenty four to forty eight hours prior to the procedure. <laughs> oh, that's the worst part. At least it doesn't have to drink the colonoscopy juice. Oh God, poor buddy. The lights should be dimmed in their recovery tank, and Ooh. be aware that they might regurgitate their food during recovery. So it's best to have them in a sec- separate tank during this time because they might throw up, and not in their resident tank. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which you might think to just throw them back in there because, yeah, that's healthy, unmedicated water. But no, you should uh, keep them no, in their own little need, dark little room for a little, a little bit. Happy to come yeah. to. Yeah. Wow. So that is my segment. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> Mostly I'm so my own glad curiosity. You went there. Holy buckets. Yeah. Well so done. Cool. There you have it. Very nice. Thanks. Cool. Well, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors and then we'll do my case. Thanks. If you're like me, the whole try it free for 30 days is enough time to try and then also completely forget about a subscription or service that I've just signed up for. 30 days, 30 seconds. (laughs) Before you know it, you're paying for a subscription you don't use every single month and that money adds up. Mm -hmm. But with Rocket Money, you can change that with just a few quick taps. Rocket Money is amazing. Formerly known as Truebill, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. Ah, hallelujah. It also monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. I gotta tell you, this is an ADHDer's financial dream. Absolutely. Do not sleep on this. I am one of the over 80% of people who have subscriptions that they forgot about. Like Mm -hmm. that streaming service that you did the trial just to watch that one movie. Mm -hmm. Hi. And then Solitaire app that you uh, downloaded in desperation at the airport. Magazines when I changed addresses. And then three years later, (laughs) I was like, oh, wait, I'm still getting these magazines that I don't read. Oh, no. Y'all, I was so lost. And then I was found because Rocket Money quickly and easily identified my subscriptions for me. 
so that I could stop paying for the ones that I don't want. You simply find the subscription that you do not want within their app after you've like linked your accounts and then you press cancel and Rocket Buddy will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or even just like having to make a phone call to talk to a person no. to cancel something? Absolutely Never going to happen. No, not not this millennial. Uh-uh. Rocket <laughs> Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. And over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. What are you waiting for? Amazing. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash gals, G-A-L-S. That's rocketmoney.com slash gals, rocketmoney.com slash gals, and treat your wallet. Treat it. So, you know, we're supposed to go to the OBGYN once a year for our annual checkups, but like in those appointments, unless you are at the point in your life where you're actively trying or ready to get pregnant, you're not really focusing or checking in on at all with your fertility, mm-hmm. which I feel like is so weird. Like that's something that so weird I oversight. I want to know, even if I'm not ready or planning for kids, I just kind of want to know where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And that's why modern fertility is so, so awesome as a resource. Exactly. Modern fertility is an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. You mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within six business days. It literally could not be easier. And also a finger prick is like way easier than whatever else is going to happen at the doctor's office. You can do it on the couch. So you will get insight into your hormone levels, like your ovarian reserve, which basically means if you have more or fewer eggs than average for your age, Mm. and other important factors that can impact your fertility. These results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also download the results to review with your doctor for next steps, so you really make sure that you understand all of that info that you are getting. Um... I found out by using Modern Fertility that I have PCOS, mm-hmm. and uh, that helped me make better decisions about our fertility journey, which was uh, complicated. Well, well, and what a good <laughs> fit, what a good bit of information to have, whether or not you're having children. Like PCOS is a big deal. Oh, it affects your energy levels, your sleep, your skin, your Mm. everything, everything. And traditional hormone testing at a fertility clinic can cost over $600, but modern fertility tests, the same general set of hormones for only $179. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash gals, you can get $20 off your test. Plus, you can get reimbursed for the test through your FSA or HSA. So if you want kids today or just maybe one day in the future or you just want to know, you know, more about your body, (laughs) getting that clinically sound info about yourself can help you make the decision that is right for you. Absolutely. And right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash gals. That means your test will cost $159, which is a fraction of what it would cost at a fertility clinic. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash gals. One more time, modernfertility.com slash gals and treat your knowledge. Treat it. So my case is a little wild. I'm so excited. (laughs) 
a little wild. A little wild. And I'm excited. Also, we can do some Texas accents. Uh, oh, good. If we want. I'm home again. <laughs> like slipping into a warm bath. Mm-hmm. A warm anesthetic. Soft. Fish. Ugh. Surgery tank. Yum. A recovery <laughs> tank. My mm. recovery tank. <laughs> oh, just like a like that. They're describing one of those float rooms. Yeah. Yeah. This is how I'm going to refer to my baths. I'm going to be slipping into my recovery tank. <laughs> Time for surgery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do not pester me Keep for three to six wet. hours. Yep. Keep me intubated. <laughs> Check on the aeration of my water. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> click, click, click. <laughs> We've lost it. Okay. okay. Wendy Mae Davidson is a lifelong Texan woman. Mm. Wendy Mae. Wendy Mae, who was born and raised in San Angelo, Texas. Mm. Texas. And I did not have time to look on a map to see where Great. the fuck that is. That's fine. doesn't matter. Okay. Texas is a big place, y'all. So she received a veterinarian degree from Texas A&M University and eventually went on to set up her own veterinary practice back home in San Angelo, wherever the fuck that's at. Okay. On January 15th, 2005, Wendy called the police to report that her husband, Michael Severance, was missing. Oh, no. What a name. Severance. My severance is missing. (laughs) I'm missing my severance. She was looking for a severance check, I'll tell you what. Has everybody watched the show Severance? Oh, yeah. So good. She good. Lucy, you have to watch it. You would really like it. When's season two coming out? I don't know. I feel like I did watch it. You'd know if you you would. Yeah, you got to watch it. It's on Apple. Is it kind of like Succession? No. No, it's nothing like Succession. It's nothing like anything you've ever watched before. It's okay. And you would like it. Okay. It's amazing. Perfect. It's with Adam Scott. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, Wendy May and Michael. Wendy May, Michael. Had not been married long. They had met at a bar in 2003 and began a whirlwind romance and tied the knot within just a year. Oh, kids. I have seen Severance. It's about the work environment. Mm-hmm. The yes. work people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So Wendy had one son from a previous marriage, and then the couple welcomed their first child together, a son named Shane. Okay. Which cho- Shine. Cho- choices were made. And on that <laughs> January morning, so January 15th, 2005, the family had planned to depart for Maine, my home state, <laughs> to, <laughs> God about that. to visit Michael's side of the family. So they had their, they just got Michael. married. They're having the baby. They had the baby, and now... They're going to go. They're doing their tour. Yeah. Showing the baby. Their tour of happiness. So a little bit more about Mackle. He uh, was an Air Force staff sergeant who was about to be deployed for his sixth tour of duty in the Middle East. Jesus. So this was his last chance before deployment to. Did you misunderstand that? No, she's a vet. (laughs) I already covered it. They're both vets. (laughs) Double vet. Okay, okay, okay. Veterinarian? She is a veterinarian. <laughs> I already covered it. She opened yes. her own veterinary clinic. I and know. He is and he's just a vet. I love this. Okay, okay. Got it. She's a vet. Gaslighting Kenyon is a favorite game of mine. <laughs> 
I said it twice. I said it twice. <laughs> Double bet. Double okay. bet. So this was his last chance to see his side of the family, have them meet the ba- the new baby Shane, mm. all this stuff before he's deployed. So they're supposed to leave that day. Wendy reports Michael missing. And originally, this was just to the San Angelo Police Department, and they're the only ones searching for him like any other missing person. But Mm. that investigation turns up no lead. Then when the scheduled date for Michael's deployment rolls around, which I think is within like a month, I don't know exactly the timeline, but very soon thereafter, he's supposed to report for duty for this deployment and he's still missing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because that was his last chance. Mm-hmm. So he became officially considered AWOL, and now mm-hmm. the U.S. military begins searching for him as well as just the PD. Got it. So the military's Office of Special Investigations, OSI, took the lead in the investigation, originally working under the assumption that Michael had deserted in order to avoid being sent to the Middle East again. Ah, okay. Although I feel like if you're a staff sergeant and you've been deployed five times, that many times, yeah, you probably aren't that likely to go AWOL for the sixth. But right. who knows? Everybody's different, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone has their limits. Yeah, you don't know what happened in previous deployments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the military, if you're AWOL, they're gonna find you. Mm-hmm. So under this logic, the military receives clearance to place a tracking device on Wendy's car, unbeknownst to her, Mm. reasoning that if he is AWOL, he might be hiding out somewhere and she might be assisting him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Bringing him snacks. Right. Mm -hmm. Magazines. Mm -hmm. Okay. And tracking her movements would then lead them to him. Sure. The military did indeed discover some suspicious movement, but it wasn't what they had been suspecting. Oh, golly. Okay. Wendy was regularly visiting a remote property called the Four Sevens Ranch. But it the did- Four Seasons. The Four Seasons Ranch. The Four <laughs> Sevens. I'll have a seven and seven. Mm-hmm. Two more. Thank you. <laughs> but it didn't seem to be on veterinary business. The OSI and the San Angelo police then working together searched Wendy's home and her vet clinic because she's a fucking veterinarian. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't catch that. (laughs) Which at first turned up nothing of interest. But when they searched her computer, they found several suspicious searches in her fucking browser history. Y'all clear your cookies. Or don't. I mean, do if you commit a crime. True. True. (laughs) <laughs> They'll still find it though. So yeah, they yeah. always will. Yeah. Forensic no. computer, whatever is yeah. nuts. Clearing your cookies it. is only useful when you have to like buy a flight. This oh, is what yeah. libraries are for. You go ah different IP address. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, but now don't they make you log you in using log your in. library ID? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. I think it's down. been that way for a while. It has. Yeah. Mm. See, I'm just not committing enough crimes lately. Catch up. So they found several suspicious searches in her browser history, including one for, quote, decomposition of a body in water. It's fine. Ah, she has a podcast. I have a tab open. That's acid <laughs> to dissolve a body right now. Oh, yeah. There you go. You're, yeah. They so, know me. Well, <laughs> they know. I, I'm a regular. <laughs> so when Wendy was questioned by police about this suspicious search she claimed she had done these searches out of morbid curiosity yeah 
as the search for her husband dragged on and she came to worry that he might be dead. So she said, like, I was freaked out. I thought my husband was dead. He's been missing. And so I was curious, I guess, what would be happening to his body if he was in a body of water? Sure. I guess. I mean, I can't rule it out that I wouldn't do the same thing. In of course. It. So after this police interview, Wendy, though, calls her brother, Marshall Davidson, who worked as a game warden in town. And she confesses to her brother that on the morning of January 15th, she had found her husband dead in the living room. This is her story. This is obviously not what happened. Sure. Found him dead in the living room, panicked, and decided to dispose of his body by dumping it into a pond at the Four Sevens Ranch. The Four Seasons Landscape Company. Mm -hmm. four, yeah, Four Seasons Landscaping. Mm -hmm. Marshall, again, he's a game warden, so apparently that's an officer of the law. Oh, yeah, that's a oh, cop. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he told his sister, Wendy, like, dude, I'm a cop. You shouldn't have told me this. Told me this. I have a mandated report. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so first, he looped in their parents, and they held, like, the most awkward family meeting Zoom of call. all time. <laughs> I can't hear you. I can see you. I think you're muted. Wait, move your... I can just see your forehead. <laughs> all right. Well, Wendy's a murderer. Yeah. Um... Wendy killed Michael, but we still want to see that baby boy Shane. So when are you yep. coming around? <laughs> I'm not going to turn her in till after she come around. So last chance. The Shane Express is leaving the station. Oh, my God, Shane. <laughs> Sweet baby Shane. Imagine looking at a newborn baby and saying, Shane. I have a good friend named Shane who definitely listens to this show. So we should back off. I'll well, do their parents I'm sure. Show. I'm sure people have opinions about my name. I can have opinions about theirs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hi, Shane. Hi, Shane. <laughs> Sorry, Shane. Hi, sweet, hi, sweet baby boy, Shane. Just sweet baby boy. Sweet baby Shane. So police... Okay, so Mike Marshall, the brother, like, has uh, hosts this awkward family meeting, but mm. then he still does his duty and calls the police and reports everything that Wendy confessed to him. So police now have reasonable suspicion to search the Four Sevens Ranch, and there they find Michael's decomposing body in a pond. And at this point, it's been two months since his death and him going missing. Yuck. So Wendy is taken into custody, but fucking somehow, and I do not understand how. Her brother's a cop. Released <laughs> from jail on bond. There it is. Yep. So then when she's out awaiting trial, the toxicology report on Michael's body comes in. Oh, no. Is this damning evidence? <laughs> evidence. <laughs> evidence. Is it going to be damning? It's pretty damning. Uh-oh. So this revealed that he had died from poisoning by a large dose of animal tranquilizers. And she's a vet. Mm -hmm. as we've Double vet. Double vet. As we've mentioned before, she is a veterinarian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so Wendy obviously would have had easy access to animal tranks at the mm -hmm. clinic. Mm -hmm. And this was determined to have been his cause of death, although 41 stab wounds had been inflicted on his body post-mortem. Oh, she was pissed. 
I thought that at first, too, that she tranked him and then was pissed. But actually, why else would you stab someone post-mortem? To make it look like a stabbing and not a poisoning. If you were going to throw them into a body of water. Oh, so they get waterlogged and do sink to the bottom. Fish food. Fill with water. To release the gases. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that they don't. (laughs) That's smart bitch. They don't float. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's a doctor. She knows. She's my she's girl. Tossed, she's tossed some some remains into water before. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, she googled it's sounding, it. It's sounding sketchy. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, like I that knew Lucy. You would. Yeah, you've. you've I like that. Lucy <laughs> has told us time and time again. You gotta so get the gases out. The counties. Randy, you bad girl. I mean, we are not <laughs> defending what this woman did. Like, she is a psycho. She murdered her husband and the father of her not child. Not defending what right. she did. I would never do it. But if I yeah. were to do it. Right. S'more. You do it S'more. right. Mm-hmm. So the counties. And don't tell your brother. He's yeah. a cop. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell the fucking game warden. Okay. So the county's justice of the peace at the time stated, quote, these were post-mortem cuts to allow the release of gases that typically accumulate in decomposing bodies. Rage is hitting, stabbing, or poking in one spot or like one general area because you're just oh. going again and again and again. She's like poking a baked this potato everywhere. before sticking yes. it in the microwave yeah. so it don't explode. Oh, yes. yeah. Yep. So rage yep. is more localized. Quote, these were spread out. Like When you want a baked potato. potato but you only have 10 minutes... You poke it, you put it in the microwave, you lather it and booter it all, and you're good to go. Poke mm-hmm. your hot dogs, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll always be poking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when police searched Wendy's veterinary clinic, they found no tranquilizers, which is suspicious in and of itself. It's like the absence of the tranquilizers yeah, was is, more is suspicious. Evidence. The house yeah. was too clean. She got rid of it. Well, she Smelled got like bleach. Also, like a vet should have some tranquilizers exactly. on hand. So like, what have you done with all your tranquilizers? It's a safety issue. Yeah. Oh, put them in your husband's body. Mm-hmm. So then hey. when searching the clinic's records, they found something even stranger. A file recording that Wendy had administered a massive dose of tranquilizers to a chihuahua. Okay, so she's bad at uh, her accounting. <laughs> she was trying to cover why she needed to use it, but the choice of animal was extremely dumb. Yeah, at least go with a big, big dog or a cow or something. The file claimed that this was prescribed to treat the dog's seizures, but the prescription was for an amount that would have undoubtedly killed the animal. <laughs> in this file, police believe they had found proof that Wendy was falsifying records in order to smuggle tranquilizers out of the building unnoticed. She was then charged with first-degree murder and two counts of tampering with evidence. Police believe that her motive for killing Michael was money. She, but But this part is like really sad Mm -hmm. she would have known that military officials had a one hundred thousand dollar life insurance policy which like Mm. it's not it's not enough to kill your husband over no sorry it's just not it's not not even in 2005 also Mm -hmm. like if he was what like a sergeant or whatever who's been over there six times his retirement's gonna be sweet and he's getting He's going away anyway. He's, You're he's not going to have to deal with him. He's more valuable to you. Yeah. He's more valuable yeah. to you alive as a as a military. He's going away person. anyway. He's going away. She she's moving anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's about to be gone for like eight months just or a year. Cheat. And there's just an outside chance that divorced. he won't come back anyway. Uh, I mean, that's sad, but sure. Yes, it's 2005. Oh it was Lucy. a very dangerous time to be deployed. I'm mm-hmm. saying the 
truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I'm saying that this this motivation is stupid. Wendy May is, is not the brightest. She knew about the gases, but otherwise she's not the brightest. Yeah, the fact that the gas thing was actually pretty smart, but then the chihuahua, the motive, the telling the brother. The the tranquilizers. Yeah, she did. Mm, she, mm, yeah. she didn't know what she was doing. Okay, I, le- I like her less now. Mm-hmm. So after she was charged, Wendy's defense attorneys filed a motion to suppress any evidence that had been gained from the the tracker that the military had put on her car, which they claimed had been illegally done. But like, good luck winning that lawsuit against the U.S. The fucking military. military. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're done. A year done. So the San Angelo police would have needed to get a court order before they would be allowed to use such a tactic. But the defense argued that because Michael was officially declared AWOL, all that mattered was that the military officials had permission to place the tracker, and they did. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So the judge agreed that the evidence from the tracker had been obtained legally and ruled in favor of the prosecution. Uh Wendy maintained her innocence, insisting that although she had inflicted the stab wounds post-mortem and disposed of Michael's body in the pond, she denied that she killed him. Okay. Oh, yeah, because the story she had told her brother is, I found him, I freaked out, I put him in the pond. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's not Which, why would you freak out? If you call 911, yeah. your brother's a cop. Yeah. Call 911. You're like a newlywed with a new baby. No one's going to mm-hmm. think you did it unless right. you fucking did it. She pull him into her car and drive him to a pond and then dump his body in the pond. Like, mm-hmm. I panicked. Literal dead weight. Like, mm-hmm. you have so many opportunities to change your mind in that process. Mm-hmm. Jesus. No. Mm mm. However, when she was informed that she was facing up to 99 years in prison if found guilty by a jury, she decided to take a deal and plead no contest to both the murder and the evidence tampering charges, for which she was then sentenced to 25 years in prison. Wow. Okay. That's not a lot for murder and like repeated concealment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think that it was enough time. I, I think she benefited from being a woman. Mm-hmm. And her brother being a cop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since then, Wendy has continued to maintain her innocence, even though she literally confessed did and it. then pled no <laughs> <Did> contest. It. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did it. Confessed. Did it. And pled no contest. Google searched it. <laughs> Planned well, it. Well, we can't put that much stuck in the she doesn't have a podcast she doesn't (laughs) Mm -hmm. no i don't know i think i was googling that weird shit before Uh -uh. we started this you were this is why we thought of doing the podcast right (laughs) in 2022 she was interviewed from prison by abc's 2020 Mm -hmm. she purported to give her side of the story describing how in the weeks leading up to his disappearance He was growing increasingly stressed about his upcoming deployment and she claims turned to alcohol and other substances to cope with his anxiety and that he was drinking by the afternoon on most days. So so you better murder him. Right. So like (laughs) here, I don't know what she's going for here. If she's trying to say he was changing, he was being a bad father. So I took him out of the picture completely. But she's still claiming her innocence. So what are you trying to say here? You're trying to say that he died by drinking? It sounds like she's an idiot and is trying to do two things. 
say she's innocent and also lay the foundation for a potential victim like blaming. victim blaming yeah. and like self-defense yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm-hmm. But you can't do both those things at the same time. <laughs> no, honey. So also there's been no evidence to corroborate this. And Michael's family has stated that he never had a substance abuse problem. That ain't it, girl. In the interview, no. Wendy also describes finding her husband's body and deciding to dispose of it, recounting how, quote, I had to take these weights and I'm trying to tie them onto his body. And of course, it's the middle of the night, you know, can't hardly see. Oh, I knew air made bodies float. So I decided to make holes in the body, vent holes so that the air could escape. Vent holes. Wow. She just said that on 2020. Yep. Okay. Yep. Damn. Bold. So yeah, when you're tying weights to your husband's dead body, that's... And then stabbing him to get baked potato valves. That's not (laughs) panic in the moment, heat of the moment. No, no, it is not. Mm -mm. Let me just go get my Bala ankle weights. (laughs) She would never waste those. Those are expensive. I was going to say. She would never. (laughs) Those are expensive. They are unreasonably expensive. Oh, and then you're They're like, just prettier do I, than regular ankle weights. Do I use them on my wrists today? Do I use them on my ankles today? I don't want to buy another set. Guess I'll attach them to my dead husband. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So again, she continues to maintain that she did not kill Michael, stating, quote, I did what I did. I think it was horrible. I think I made a bad choice. There were better choices to be made. You don't say. But I still didn't kill him. Yeah, right, bitch. Okay. Okay. In 2019, Wendy came up for parole, but she was denied. She is currently scheduled to be released, not paroled, but released right, from 25 years. Gatesville Correctional Facility in 2031. Damn. Wow. Well, it's coming up. There you go. So be careful which vets you marry. Shit. Yikes. Don't double vet. Don't never double vet. Mm-hmm. Always vet before you double vet. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Vet your vets. Wow. That was wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. Loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, hated it, but loved it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, should we hear a quick word from our sponsors? Let's do yeah. It. Yes, let's. Care of is a subscription service that ships high quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. I love Care of, and as y'all know, I was basically eating those like chalky Flintstones vitamins until like three <laughs> years ago as an adult woman. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I had no idea, and everyone is different, especially when it comes to your health needs, your goals. That's why Care of is here to make it easier than ever to not only stick to a vitamin routine, but like find one that's Mm -hmm. personally tailored to your everyday wellness. And they do that through a short in-depth quiz. We love a good quiz about your lifestyle, your health goals, and then you get a personalized doctor-backed recommendation. Takes the guesswork out of what supplements are best suited for you. So no more just wandering down that aisle at the grocery store and thinking, "Uh, sure, maybe this. Which is how I was doing it before. (laughs) There's a lot out there. Mm -hmm. It it can feel overwhelming. Let Care Of do all that 
background research for you so you don't have to just kind of stare like a deer in the headlights in the vitamin aisle. Exactly. And then each shipment comes with a customized pamphlet showing you exactly what's in your individual daily packs and why it was recommended specifically for you and your health goals so you can, you know, know what you're doing. So for 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code GALS50, gals five zero. Again, for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code GALS50 and treat your health. Treat it. Ah, spring. Mm. Nothing quite like a fresh start. And what better time to freshen things up inside your home as well? Brooklinen has the home essentials that you need to step up your space and Step into this new season. Oh, uh, the way I am ready to just rip flannel sheets off my bed and put yeah. my spring Brooklinens on. Linen. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. I cannot wait. Brooklinen makes sheets that drove the internet wild, people, okay? And they've been keeping people comfy ever since. We are Brooklinen proselytizers. I have Brooklinen everything. Name everything. a thing. I have it from Brooklinen. We've got robes. We've got loungewear. We've got candles. We've towels. got towels. We've got sheets. We've got comforter. We have it all. We yep. have it all. We love them. I just registered for new Brooklinen sheets for my wedding mm-hmm. and like comforter sets and well, at least one of those items is marked as purchased, and I could not be more excited about it. That's the whole reason to get married. It's literally the best part. Their classic and luxe sheets are made to meet the needs of hot and cold sleepers, which like, hi, me and Bill, check, check. They also always look as good as they feel. It's like every night you're slipping into a hotel bed, like a fresh hotel bed. It really is. It is. And they work directly with suppliers, so you're never caught in the middle when it comes to getting the highest quality materials. And you can rest easy knowing that Brooklyn delivers directly to your home with fast shipping. So shop online at brooklinen.com for a home refresh at its best. For a limited time, get $20 off plus free shipping on orders of $100 or more with code GALS, G-A-L-S, that's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N dot com, code GALS, G-A-L-S, for $20 off. And for all those looking to see and feel the comfort in real life, you can now shop Brooklinen's sheets, towels, and more in person by visiting a store near you. So treat your sheets. Treat them. You know, life's relentless, folks. It's overwhelming. It doesn't stop. It's coming at you fast. It's all the things, you know? Yep. Yep, yep. And uh, I, uh, as well as the gals here, are advocates of therapy. I've been using Talkspace for a very long time now. And I'm telling you, it's made a big difference in my life. And I was very nervous about starting therapy. I didn't know how to get started. Mm -hmm. Talkspace just made it so easy for me to find a therapist I liked. I've been working with her for years now. It's so convenient. It's in my pocket. It's where I'm most comfortable. I don't know. There's not much more I could say about how amazing it is. Well, there's more I can say because I I also love Talkspace. And one of my favorite things about it is that there is no need to commute to appointments. Yeah. That was like my biggest hurdle getting into therapy was like finding the time to like get dressed and brush my teeth and go through traffic and like go to someone's like uh, office uh, on top of their garage and whatever. Miss time at work or like line up childcare, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it with Talkspace. It's in your pocket. Ugh. 
It's mental health care made easy. So Talkspace lets you send messages to your therapist so you don't have to wait for your next session. You can kind of get your thoughts out when you're having them. And then when your therapist has their office hours, they get back to you or you can schedule, you know, a, a a personalized, a virtual session. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, you know, tailored to you how you want to do your therapy. I like the texting. Me too. But other people like other ways and you can find what works for you. Yeah. I also love that Talkspace is affordable and in network with most major insurers. Mm. And this is so important in our digital lives. Talkspace is secure and private. So they use the latest end-to-end bank-grade encryption technology to store client information and they comply with the latest HIPAA regulations. Heck yes. And as a listener of this podcast, you will get $100 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash gals. So to match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash gals to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash gals and treat your brain. Treat it. All right. Are y'all ready for my case? I yes. don't know, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm I'm so I might excited. not be ready. This case is absolutely <laughs> bizarre and might be one of the strangest and most like Agatha Christie-esque stories I have ever covered. Excellent. Kathleen Marshall was born in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. Our Brisbane. Brisbane. In 1946. Her, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You went straight. I don't know. Potato don't farmer know. with that I don't second know. Or that I don't know. Her love of animals, particularly felines, put her on the path to veterinary school. And in 1968, at 22 years old, she graduated with honors from the University of Queensland with a degree in veterinary science. Did she graduate with pawners? Pawner. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She immediately started that working. That was the first. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tailed it. <laughs> <laughs> puns are the lowest form of comedy. Okay. <laughs> she. We will dig the bottom of that barrel. I will dredge, scrape it. <laughs> she immediately started working as a vet in an already established, like in already established practices but eventually opened her own practice specializing in cat care, buying a building in Brisbane that she converted into a vet clinic on the first floor and her living quarters on the second floor. Oh, God, she could live there. Yep. (laughs) She was loved in her community and very involved in matters of the animal world as well as matters of the heart. Involved? Okay. We'll get to it. Okay. She spent her free time serving as the president of the Cat Protection Society of Queensland, and it is now that I would like to direct you to the drive to see a photo of her surrounded by cats yes. that easily could be Lucy. Oh, my God. Even the glass. Oh, all is she so a nice young. lady? She's a nice. Tell me she's a nice lady. I mean, I like her. Okay. Look at the orange one in the that. middle. <laughs> but it's more complicated than that, Canyon. She and looks, I would trust her with my life. Of course. Oh at, at least your cat's life. I want a table full of kittens. I know. That's like Lucy's heaven right there in that yeah. photo. She also founded a networking club called Friends of the Vet School at University of Queensland. And my personal favorite anecdote about her, Affairs of the Heart, she liked to organize social dinners for single professionals. Oh, my God. To, like, connect them so they could date. She That's was divorced. so cute. So, she was honestly, divorced. 
I find her so charming and adorable. She's the cutest. But on the morning of March 1st, 1998, two members of the Cat Protection Society arrived at her home for a meeting and the door was unlocked. And cats are humans. People. People who are members of the Cat Protection Society. Well, not clients. Members. Members. Okay. Every time you say Cat Protection Society, I'm picturing like people in like long black trench coats. I mean, like it's protecting cats. Yeah. It's an intense society. So I wouldn't be surprised if they had. Coats. <laughs> like what like the movie that we went to for Scott's birthday party that one year? Matrix? No. <laughs> That's the only long black trench coat movie I know. Men in Black? I'll think of it. Janine Garofalo's in it. Oh, Mystery Men. Mystery Men. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. We did yeah, we went to the drive in theater for that shit. Yeah. Oh it was God. awful. We're so terrible old. movie. Terrible okay. movie. Okay. So they show up for this already scheduled meeting and the door is unlocked, which they assumed was intentional so they could just go in and go upstairs and not have to be let in by Kathleen. But when they made Kathleen. their way upstairs... She should go by Kat- Kathleen. Cat. <laughs> Cat. But when they went upstairs, they noticed that the 16 cats and three dogs she was caring for, some of many of which were her pets, <laughs> were unfed and clearly distressed. Oh, no. Kathleen was nowhere to be found. So they made their way downstairs to check the clinic, finding blood all over the door to an exam room and a strong smell of decay. That was just the cats. In fairness, it's kind of the same. Mm, it's it's not different. at all it was the a same joke. smell. I knew Lucy would get her. <laughs> um, actually. Very distinct. <laughs> um. Um. going to stop you right there. I take umbrage to that. Um, umbrage. Is that how you take umbrage now? Um, um bridge. So Kathleen's body <laughs> was in the exam room and she had 52 shallow stab wounds across her face, head, arms, chest, and abdomen. Were they trying to put vent holes in yeah. the body? Was no. she too shallow. potatoed? Shallow. Mm, shallow. Shallow wounds. No murder weapon was ever recovered. The folks who discovered her called the police and an investigation began diving into the tumultuous world of the Cat Protection Society, Queensland. (laughs) The investigation began by assessing the scene. It was determined that the time of death was sometime on Friday, February 27th, 1998, before 3 p.m. This estimate of the time of death was based on entomologist Russell Luke's analysis of maggots found on Kathleen Marshall's body. I love this case. Witnesses who were near the scene on Friday, February 27th, out for an evening walk around 7 p.m., reported hearing a single scream from the building. So that, like, before 3 p.m. time might not be super accurate, but it's like, we know it happened sometime on this day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they heard a single scream, allegedly, with no continued screaming or view of, like, a suspect fleeing the scene. Kathleen also failed to show up for one of her single dinners that she had scheduled, which was incredibly uncharacteristic of her. Mm. Investigators then began tracking down and interviewing any known associates of Kathleen Marshall. Considering the fact that the door was unlocked for the folks who discovered the body, it was believed that Kathleen's killer was someone that she knew as there were no signs of forced entry. Mm -hmm. This is a quote from Crime Magazine. The police investigation initially focused on members of the CPSQ, Iron Nair. (laughs) Where power struggles and infighting had been a common occurrence, intensifying during the six months before 52-year-old Marshall's death. Gosh. In April, however, 
Ken Cox, a forensic biologist from the John Tonga Center, announced that he had found male blood in the crime scene samples. Investigators decided to investigate every male person involved in the deceased's life, beginning with the male members of the CPSQ. The Cat Protection Society of Queensland. And any male connected to a, to a female member. Was it cat blood? No. They're saying they, male they human blood. able to determine. It's human, 1998, so they, they couldn't get like a full DNA profile in the way we can get it now, but they were able to determine that this was a blood sample from a human man. Okay. Apparently, there was some bad blood between members of the CPSQ, especially okay. from member Virginia Houston. <gasps> Kathleen's next door neighbor and a woman who carried deep resentment toward Kathleen for her status in the society. Okay, I will just say, if any have you any of you been to a like a professional cat show? What no. do you can't think? say I have. <laughs> Haven't had the pleasure. Yeah. So <laughs> there's one that comes around every year called the Hawkeye State Cat Show. <laughs> so I've been a few times and <laughs> So I have a yearly attachment. Those bitches are crazy. They're fucking nuts. This is the second time this week, and we're recording on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. that I have been a part or listened to a podcast about infighting within Cat Protection Society. <laughs> yep. And it's, it's a completely different case. Like, I listened to, like, a Planet Money episode about th- somebody who, like, Oh, we'll get to the money, honey. They're died nuts. and like left a trust fund for yep. like cats, and then the- really common. I think the cat people are even crazier than dog people. They in abs- terms oh, of you like think in terms <laughs> yeah. of like showing you fucking think Hot. think of like best Hot in show. Take. Yeah, no, those kinds of people are always a little bit crazy, but the cat people I think skew. Also, yeah, I would crazier. say that regular cat people. The spectrum of crazy for cats it's is, is uh, narrower mm. so that everyone on that spectrum isn't as far away from the edge. <laughs> Whereas the spectrum for dog people, it's like a completely different breed between like. Hi, I see what you did there. Us who get, you know, like whatever rescue mutt sure. and, and love on it for its yep. life versus mm-hmm. best in show. My yeah, fur babies. I can see that. Cat so, people are just more enthusiastic about their animals in general. Sure, maybe. Or just unhinged. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Virginia, described by the press and not my words, as a, quote, 45-year-old invalid pensioner, <laughs> oh, was no. only connected to Kathy through their mutual love of cats. That mutual love was not enough for the two to get along, according to Virginia. No. She told the Sydney Morning Herald that, quote, Kathleen Marshall was a very spiteful person, a very nasty and very vindictive person. Tell us how you really feel, Virginia. With the Herald noting the, quote, venom dripping in her voice. (laughs) The Sunday Herald is my neighbor. It's, um, this is, this publication. I didn't kill her, but I'm glad she's dead. Exactly. I I didn't kill that dumb bitch. It's so good. So Virginia had been acting treasurer of the CPSQ for years before Kathleen took over as president and held a vote on whether to keep Virginia in the position. The 42 to 2 vote ousted Virginia. (laughs) You know she voted. She was one of the two. Yep. 
husband. Who walked? Yeah. Mm, no, she wasn't married. Oh. oh. No. Who walked away from the job with her tail between her legs. <laughs> I gave you one. Virginia's only diehard supporter, 68-year-old Corinne Welsh, we had go. lost her board re-election months prior. So she also had a bone to pick. So Virginia had nobody to bat for her. <laughs> she claims, quote, she wanted to get rid of me and make the society a nice little vehicle for her to get a regular income. Virginia the claimed. audacity. Yep. She even confronted Kathleen in a heated exchange demanding access to CPSQ financial records, which she claimed she was legally entitled to, but was instead escorted off the grounds of <laughs> Kathleen's home empty handed. Oh! There had been pushing and shoving in this exchange. Whoa. They, they off threw the fisticuffs. Mm. Claws were out. Claws out. <laughs> cat <laughs> fight. <laughs> Literal cat fight. So stupid. Virginia was salty that under Kathleen's leadership, Kathleen felt strongly that veterinarians involved in the society, including herself, should be compensated for the often substantial hours of work they did treating injured and unwell felines. What a what a terrible take. Mm -hmm. These vets should be paid. Victoria disagreed and felt that Kathleen was just going for a money grab. And to Kenyon's point earlier, like they are managing pretty sizable amounts of money because the el most people involved in this club, which we'll get to, are elderly single women and they leave their estate to this cat society to be liquidated and used mm -hmm. to fund the society. Mm -hmm. So there's often like substantial amounts of money that are, are being handled by the treasurer. So I got a lot of scratch. I have a lot of scratch. <laughs> a lot of scratch. <laughs> Further investigation revealed that Kathleen expressed fear and anxiety in the months leading up to her brutal murder, that she was concerned she was being stalked and that she had received nasty messages. Virginia staunchly denied sending those messages or any stalking, but did admit that she would drive by the home to see if meetings were being held. <laughs> Quote, it wasn't as though I was following her around or anything like that. I she told the Herald. I already knew where she lived, so She's I my didn't neighbor. have to. Yeah. <laughs> and Virginia wasn't the only society men member, which consisted of about 70 mostly elderly women, LOL shocking, who had mixed feelings about their new leadership. Again, from the Sydney Morning Herald, my new favorite publication, quote, most people thought she meant well and certainly worked hard for the welfare of cats and to get the society functioning properly, said one member who chose to remain anonymous, probably in fear of death. <laughs> but she could be scared. Of I'm scared of these cat people. Quote, but she could be quite rude. She would call you late at night about this or that. And she would say she didn't care if you were asleep. Oh, my God. It's just old ladies complaining. It's like, she would call me after 6 p.m. I've been asleep for hours. This is Virginia, the bitchy neighbor no, who calls? No, no. This is some someone else who is making comments about Kathleen being so rude. Kathleen, oh, Kathleen would call and be yeah, rude. Would okay. call. Well, to, according to this well, anonymous, cranky old person. Cat Protection mm. Society of Queensland business to attend to. Exactly. <laughs> Legal yeah. representation for the CPSQ, as well as those close to Kathleen, maintained that, quote, she was a passionate believer in causes and she would marshal all of her resources for the sake of those creatures. Virginia was ultimately ruled out as a suspect, mostly because her physical state left her incapable of carrying out such an act. And as the Herald said, quote, the only witnesses are some of Marshall's 14 cats and they're not talking. <laughs> but what if it wasn't anyone in the society? 
rather someone on the outskirts. The investigation expanded to include men connected to the women who were in the CPSQ. Everyone interviewed was willing to give a blood sample. Everyone but one man. 50-year-old Andrew Fitzherbert. Fitzpervert. (laughs) Fitzpervert. I watched Bridget Jones' diary on a plane recently and could not believe this name popped up in my case. Is that the name of the gross co-worker? Yes. Fitzpervert. 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 I forgot about that. Fitzpervert. (laughs) Movie holds up. Don't quote me on that. It does not. (laughs) Oh, my God. The fat phobia is... It's so bad. But she's like uh, a size 12 and she's like, I'm 30 years old and an old fat even. Yeah, yeah, she's like 130 a pounds. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I <laughs> can eat can... 130 pounds of purse burgers in I one I haven't weighed center. 130 pounds since middle school. Everyone I don't think I have either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so again, from Crime Magazine. Oh, my God. Quote. Palm reader and spiritualist Andrew Fitzherbert (laughs) was the partner of Ruth Bennett, a recent CPSQ member. He also practiced palmistry at the Windsor Spiritualist Church, frequented by Virginia Houston, the chief suspect in the early stages of the investigation. She got her palm reader from (laughs) church to kill her cat society (laughs) nemesis? Maybe. I'm going with that. Maybe. <laughs> Who was the chief suspect in the early stages this of the is investigation? Lucy. I know. Isn't this amazing? Friend, psychic. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Lucy shit. is kind of Virginia. And there is a picture of Virginia on the drive as well, holding up her black cat who looks a little like Ghostface. Yeah. Oh. Yep. That's that's that looks Lucy. Nothing and, like Ghostface, but I'll I mean I'll it's a black fun. cat. Yeah. You know. Like <laughs> it's like there's a similarity chief suspect in the early stages of the investigation due to her tempestuous relationship with Marshall. The Age, another publication, described Andrew Fitzherbert in a 1999 article as, quote, a pacifist and nonviolent eccentric of whom nobody had a bad word to say. He appeared in the witness box to be a mild-mannered, bumbling bookseller straight out of central casting. Now we've got Notting Hill involved. There's a lot (laughs) happening. A lot of throwbacks. Also, they just don't write things like they did in the 90s. I just, mm-hmm. they just didn't it's care about anyone's best. feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or being PC or anything. It was a yeah. lot more descriptive mm-hmm. than today. More editorializing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The quote ends with, he could hold a passionate discussion about metaphysics, but was so impractical that he couldn't drive a manual car. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag same, though. Okay, well, okay, I can, I can drive, can't a drive a manual car. <laughs> to be fair, though, to be fair, though, why so would you Andrew, need to? well, they're in, they're in Australia. They're in Australia. In Australia, like, you kind of need to. It's a little nutty, not to. Yeah. <laughs> so Andrew refused to hand over his DNA because he claimed he didn't quote trust the system, which like fair, but that makes you look really sus, and it did. So he was court ordered to hand over his blood. Ken Cox, who we talked about earlier, (laughs) this forensic botanist from the John Tonga Center, told the jury that there was, quote, one chance in 14 trillion that the blood found at the crime scene was from someone other than Fitzherbert. 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 This was the only substantial evidence against him in this case with no other physical evidence presented. But it was suitable for a jury and Fitzherbert was sentenced to life imprisonment for the murder in August of 1999. Well, I mean, I feel like he had no other fucking reason to be there. And there's 
only one thing of male blood at the sea. Am I putting my foot in my mouth? We'll see. We may never know, but we'll see. His conviction marked the first time in Australia and only the third in the world where a person was convicted of a crime on the basis of DNA evidence alone. There was still no known motive for this crime, which is incredibly strange given it was a allegedly violent stabbing, which usually indicates passion, hatred, intimacy, obsession, etc. Like all Did kinds of things like that. Cats all stab her. We'll get to it. No With their little nails, because you said they were shallow stabs. We'll get to it. Oh my god. <laughs> Fitzherbert maintained his innocence and started filing appeals. One of Fitzherbert's appeal lawyers, Laura Lee Cameron Dow, says the DNA results do not actually support that one in 14 trillion probability. And didn't they get that number from an entomologist? Isn't that what you said? No, the 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 entomologist was the guy who talked about the maggots. This is a different expert for the blood. Who gave that figure? Oh, forensic biologist. Yeah. I heard entomologist when you there said that. There was an entomologist mentioned earlier yes, in the yes, case, yes, but yes. that's not the same person. Okay, got it. Quote, I've been given alternate estimates from other experts of one in 100,000, she says, which like isn't that's not that even much close. better, but like one in 100,000 that it could be someone else. No, I'm saying one in 100,000 is not anywhere close to the statistic of one in 14 trillion. Like those are wildly different numbers. They are wildly different numbers, but also still suggest a high probability that it's his blood, in my opinion, but whatever. Professor Barry Bulcher, a leading DNA expert in Australia and influential in uncovering problems with evidence in the Azaria Chamberlain case, which is like a case that they use to reference in appeals for this case for Fitzpervert also challenges Cox's interpretations. Quote, there's just no possibility of determining the accuracy of the figure given to the jury, but it would have sounded highly impressive to them. Mm-hmm. More worryingly, Botcher says when he examined the graphs of the DNA profiles, the DNA from the male blood at the scene had deteriorated more than the DNA from the, quote, unknown female's blood at the crime scene. Oh, so this the un- male blood's old. The male blood's older than mm. the female blood. This unknown female blood was assumed to belong to Kathleen Marshall, but key evidence in the crime scene was never fully examined, including hair, skin, or organs, a pair of bloodied shoes that may not have even belonged to Kathleen. And all of this leads me to believe that maybe Fitzherbert's lack of trust in the system may have been right. It's also a veterinary office. There's going to be biological matter matter everywhere. Botcher believes, quote, there is a chance the greater deterioration of the DNA in the male blood was due to it being deposited some days earlier than Marshall's murder. And only drops of this male blood were found, which could have been from any number of cat scratches in the clinic. Mm -hmm. And it's important to point out that, quote, in many cases, it is not the technology or the science, but the supervising biologist's subjective interpretation of the results that is the crucial factor in assessing whether a suspect sample and a crime scene sample match. Mm. The prosecution leaned on the DNA match as, quote, Fitzherbert has left traces of himself at the scene of Kathleen Marshall's murder, and hence the man who left the blood in that surgery is guilty of the murder. But if he was already connected to Kathleen through the CPSQ, could there be a possibility that his blood ended up there for a completely benign reason? Yeah, Yeah, if he brought in his cat who had a scratching problem. Who knows? Fitzherbert even had an alibi for the night of the murder. Ruth Bennett, his girlfriend, who he was living with at the time, who was in the CPSQ, Fitzherbert was not in the CPSQ, but his girlfriend was, 
said, quote, we were at a meeting on that Friday night. We got there about 6.30 p.m. and didn't get home until after midnight because after the meeting, we called in to see my daughter. So this isn't this alibi wasn't solid enough because it's his girlfriend. It's well, it's his girlfriend. But like they were in a meeting so people could corroborate that he was at that meeting. Yeah. But the time of death could have been any time on Friday. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't have to be at that 6.30 right. time. It could have happened even before 3 p.m. as we established earlier. Mm-hmm. But then what about like the scream that they heard from mm-hmm. at 7? Around 7. Like we just, it stuff is not adding up. Right. And this is where things get very weird, but oh not This confirmed. is where? It's all weird. But this has me, this had my wheels turning way more than it should have. In 2008, a friend of Kathleen Marshall's who was working in Brisbane as a dermatologist even floated their own theory that the killer was a cat. Or an owl. This is so owl theory personified, (laughs) but with the cat. They believed it was possible that during a routine examination or procedure, a cat could have gone into a frenzy and attacked Kathleen. Does this sound insane? Yes. But it actually happened once in Quebec where a cat attacked its owner and the person lost over a pint of blood. And the responding animal control officer described the scene as absolute carnage. Quote, there was blood all over the place, on the ceiling, the floor, and the walls. See, I was right at the beginning, at the top. You might have been. (laughs) That cat can fuck you up. It's a real village moment for Kenyon. Exactly. (laughs) Kathleen also suffered from Cushing's syndrome, a side effect of which is thin and easily punctured skin. And in this case, there was no motive ever established, like solidly, no murder weapon ever found. And she could have just bled out. And the single scream, the cat attacked her. No one sees anyone running away. Like a a cat went nuts and scratched her up and then scampered off and she bled out on the floor. But so she could bleed out that quickly before she could try to like get to a phone or get to help? I don't know. I mean, if the cat bit her in just the right spots, it could have been a a very fast loss of blood. I have no, with that Cushing syndrome, who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Wow. And honestly, we may never know. Wow. Despite, despite his attempts at appeal, Fitzherbert remained in jail until 2014 when he was released on parole after serving 15 years as a, quote, model prisoner. He now lives a simple and quiet life, though there is certainly a movement dedicated to clearing his name after all these years. Like, a lot of people don't think he did it. And, you know, I don't fucking know. But I'll leave you with this. The murder of Dr. Marshall was not the only murder to occur within the Cat Protection Society of Queensland. Oh, my God. In 1982, a member of the Cat Protection Society named Frank Castanola was shot dead on the porch of his home, though this was not believed to be a cat-related or motivated attack. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Agatha Christie, was it the cat? I mean, not me over here thinking maybe it was a cat. Like, people have died in weirder ways. So many weird ways for people to die. And I why not wanna, a cat? I wouldn't want to have to take on a cat. Fuck no. Especially a cat. Okay, so one time, I don't bring this up often because it wasn't his fault. But oh, <laughs> what did Ray do? When Claire was still alive, my sister's oh, Claire, cat. Claire was. Claire was really cruel. And it might be <laughs> because he was initially misgendered for the first year of his life. But That's fair. Mm-hmm. Year? I thought it was several years. Well, we had to take him in to get spayed, and then we realized mm. it was a boy. Got it. Clarence. Anyway, 
one time I was at home by myself and he was by the front door and he'd like, I'd, I have no idea what happened, but he started gr- hissing and growling at me and I was like trapped in a corner. Oh. He got some weird psychosis or he got scared or some like actual wild animal side of him they came can, out. They can pop off. And I had to... I had to like take a deep breath and like run past him and mm-hmm. run downstairs. And he tried to attack me when I was running past him. Mm-hmm. It was weird. You could have been Kathleen. Could have been. You could have been ripped to shreds by Claire. Mm-hmm. Could have been. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my case. And it's I my favorite. Wild. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I kind of couldn't believe it was real, but it's real. Here for it. Wow. Yep. You're welcome. Right. I'm actually here for both of your cases. Yeah. The, this was a great the, episode. Oh, good job. Thank I you, Ravina. Thank you, yes, Ravina. You're amazing. And uh, happy belated birthday. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers!